0: It's a small difference, just do whatever you, whatever comes naturally to you, that's fine.
1: Okay. I think we're at that okay, point nice. where everybody forgives so many of those <laughs> things when they didn't necessarily <laughs> a year ago, so, um, uh, you know, if it pops into okay. your head, don't freak out about it.
2: <laughs> that's cool. Okay,
0: all good? And actually, that's good timing because the music's just playing in yeah, no, got 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 everything set up
1: right, right on before time. we have no control over the intro music. It's <laughs> something we, we should fix one of these days. Um, but with that, I would like to welcome you to the Video Reformation Podcast. I'm Ben Oliver. I'm Justin Plant. We're the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your guides to practicing effective video for business. We're like the Gordon Bombay to your Mighty Ducks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good on that. I'm going
0: to be Goldberg.
1: Oh, nice. You're our goalie. <laughs> goalie okay. yeah. Um So. Uh, Our topic today is going to be the shift from promo content to truly educational content. Um, I think by the time the episode launches, we'll come up with a a more SEO optimized, SE optimized um, (laughs) title, but that's the topic that we're discussing. Um, And we are truly honored to have uh, our guest with us today, Tyler Desard from Vidyard, uh, VP of Marketing for Vidyard. Welcome, Tyler.
2: Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. And in the spirit of the hockey uh, analogies, I am Canadian here. And if you want to refer to me as the Wayne Gretzky of video and business, I would be more than happy to have that title. So I'll we'll write that down, yep.
1: You know, that's a bold claim, but I have no data to refute it. So let's go with it. Um, we are honored to be joined by the Wayne Gretzky of video marketing today. <clears throat> Now, Tyler, uh, I I imagine much of our audience, as we imagine our audience anyway, is familiar with Vidyard. They're probably even familiar with you because you are everywhere. Um, But for those who who maybe have seen your face or have seen the Vidyard logo, but don't really know who you or Vidyard is, can you give us a quick, uh, quick intro for those listeners?
2: Yeah, I would love to. And most people don't really know the, the breadth and the nuances of the different things that we do. So happy to share that. We, as an organization, were actually founded about uh, 11 years ago as a video hosting and management platform, really geared towards B2B businesses that were publishing more and more videos on their websites, on their digital channels, on their landing pages, and starting to use it as a core part of their marketing programs. So we weren't all about, you know, pushing your content to YouTube or video advertising. It was all about a video hosting platform for those using video as a core part of their content programs. And, uh, you know, a big part of our rise to success was building out the tools that most common business marketers are looking for when it comes to video. Not only great content management, but also the ability to track and know who's engaging with my videos. um, how, How long are they staying tuned to this content? How well is it resonating? but also giving them the analytics they can use to uh, qualify and understand their most engaged leads. So that's a big focus of how we started. Over the last couple of years, we've seen this rise of more and more do-it-yourself video content, and many people will also know us for our tools that make it easy for you know, anyone, a marketer, a sales rep, a business leader, to record and send custom videos uh, directly from our tool and be able to track and know who's watching those kind of one-to-one style videos.
0: A lot, many of those have popped up in the in the past couple of years, but yeah. nothing's been as sticky for me as, like the first time I used Go Video. it was yeah. just like, it was obvious that's what I'm gonna be using for a long time. And mm-hmm. I've tried the other tools and some are great, but um, man, the stickiness of that one is, is, is fantastic.
2: Yeah, you know, part of the stickiness, and I think this is something that we'll talk about more broadly about video content these days, is was making it um, easy, making it simple, uh, making it just a part of your typical workflow. And, and that's really when we cracked the code on it, to be honest, because anybody can find tools to record a video, to edit it, to upload it and to share it. Uh, but we really focused in on, uh, we actually built it for our own sales team first. Hmm. And we wanted to make it easy for them to record a custom video as part of their sales prospecting and send it out via email. And so we obsessed over making it easy, making it efficient, making sure that they didn't have to go through any unnatural actions to do this. And, uh, and that's really been a lot of our, our success around that tool today. And I think generally in video, there's that that common thread of, we gotta make it easier for people to create, to share, to track, to engage in this, to uh, to make sure it's not a second-class citizen, but it's just a part of the way we communicate in business.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, all right, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? How did you end up at Vidyard? How have you kind of ended up being the, uh, the Wayne Gretzky that you are? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that one, I'm still not sure of. Uh, I think that happened by accident. But I've, uh, I've been here at Vidyard for about seven years now. And I actually started my career as an engineer. I'm a systems design engineering graduate from uh, University of Waterloo. I started my career at BlackBerry. Some of you may be old enough to remember the true inventors of the smartphone then. Yep. (laughs) So back when it was still research in motion, I spent 10 years at RIM uh, out of school, and I started as a software developer, but I quickly realized that I was both a better uh, communicator and a better hockey player than I was a software developer. And uh, I moved from a role of writing code to supporting and working with third-party developers who are actually building the very first wave of mobile apps, right? I was working with the guys who were making the very first mobile web browsers and mobile Salesforce automation apps, and it was amazing. And what I learned during that time was I was, again, much more inclined to work externally with partners, with customers, build communities. And I launched really our first developer program, our developer conferences, and ultimately built on a developer community there, uh, which was my foray into the world of marketing. Uh, so really interesting start to my career there, and I slowly kept moving further and further into business development, uh, into product marketing, and ultimately into a, a marketing leadership role. And eventually found my way here at Vidyard, thanks to uh, to knowing uh, two of the co-founders through some connected colleagues. And uh, it's been a really incredible uh, seven years since I got here.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Well, we have always been big fans uh, of you and of Vidyard. I think, Thank you. I think we kind of made you kind of ended up on our radar about i want to say 5 years ago now as we were kind of switching from just a production company to realizing that there needed to be so much more of a strategic focus for why our clients wanted us to make the videos they were asking us to make and so as we started to really dig into video strategy and 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 but also the back end the analytics and what you can what you can learn about customer behaviors and things like that I mean, you guys were that resource that, that we just kept coming to over and over and over again. And to be perfectly honest, some of our strongest messaging, I honestly don't know whether it came from our heads or from you guys heads. Um, it's it's just, uh, you know, our standard talk tracks are probably, you know, 30% us and 70% you guys. Uh, I think if you go back to the source, in fact, we're an agency partner, I think we were. Yeah. Um, I did a little bit of research uh, in putting the um, outline together. And from what I could find, I think we were like an agency. part. I think we were like the 12th agency partner That's it when it wasn't really like an organized program. And right. then because there was there were some emails in like 2016 that that I found with Rob where we were talking about the program. <laughs> and then it was like it was weird because today is January 5th. And I think it was January fourth, twenty eighteen, that we became an official like as the agency partner program is now agency partner. Um, So you know, three years ago yesterday, Mm -hmm. um, we became official, Um, and we love we love the partnership. Um, We love we love everything about it. We're we're customers ourselves, but um, as I understand it, we are now. As not as of the recording of this podcast, but as of the release of this podcast on February first, we are certified by Vidyard in both uh, video selling and in implementation.
2: Yeah, it's been amazing, guys. (laughs) Pat yourselves on the backs. It's uh, there. You go. Look at that, bringing people together. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um, uh, it's great, man! Congratulations. It has been a, it has been an interesting ride over the last number of years, and on our side, it's been uh, so rewarding to actually see the partner programs come into their form and to really be a meaningful part of our business. You know, I hired Rob back, uh, yeah, it must have been five years ago now that uh, that Rob joined to, as our first alliances manager. And you know, at that time, it was you know very ad hoc. It was finding partners that, uh, you know, that we aligned with well. It was a small number. It was mostly technology partners at the time. But now, uh, the biggest part of our community are are folks like yourselves, who are out there working with clients every day on their content strategy. Which I think is the most important piece of all of this because without great video, it doesn't matter what tech you're using. Yep. Um, so those who are working with them on their content strategy and helping them understand the technology behind the scenes and vice versa, us being able to bring in partners like yourselves to, to help businesses who are investing in the technology figure out how to level up their content strategy because again, one without the other doesn't really help. So it's uh, it's been a really exciting few years and, and this is becoming a really big part of our business now. It's great.
1: Yeah um i and just in my first couple conversations with tom uh now over right yeah. before right before uh, the holiday break uh, i mean 15 minutes into our first call we realized that he and i could have a call every day and talk for two hours about this stuff <laughs> um so so that was a good ad and and i know justin's gonna call with him tomorrow uh, along with christiana so we're yeah we're 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 thrilled about the partnership we're we're happy to be officially certified now in video selling and implementation. <laughs> all right, well, enough about all of us. I think we should probably jump into the topic mm-hmm. today. Um, and, and Tyler, when you suggested it, um, I think your exact wording was the shift of, from promo content to truly educational content. Mm. And, and I know that our, our listeners understand the difference between promo content and educational content. Yeah. I was really drawn by your adverb selection of truly. And so mm-hmm. if you could talk for a minute about, about maybe what, what marketing educational content is and then what truly educational content is. <laughs> I know there's a gray line, but, but I'm, I'm intrigued by the word truly that you put in there. So I want you to talk about that a little bit.
2: There is no gray line to me. There's a very clear line and it, it starts with the, it starts like from a mentality and even a culture of how your marketing organization thinks and, and works and operates and what they're trying to accomplish. And I think whether it's video or anything else, marketing content is built with the mindset of generating leads, of, you know, and that is the primary mindset of creating marketing content. The mindset of creating truly helpful content is very much that. You start from a place where you are genuinely invested in helping your audience, your community, your customers be more successful and it's it is a nuanced thing and a lot of us you know we say oh well yeah we do marketing content but we but that's what we're trying to help that's what we're trying to do and then you look at how they promote it you look at how they position it and that's not really the case right it always comes back to you know you talked about seo earlier right it always comes back to its keyword stuffing it's this that and those things are important to help people find the right content but it has to come from a true place of genuinely wanting to help your base and audience succeed and investing in that and saying, you know, something we've always done uh, from day one, when I was brought on board, we we were 30 people and we already had a dedicated content marketer, a dedicated product marketer, um, and a dedicated demand manager who was running the programs. But you know, one of our earliest employees was a content marketer who was focused on writing pieces to help our audience. We also had a video producer who was creating content for our community. Um, And so I think that's where it starts from. And many of us get that, and we've been focused on trying to create helpful educational content through written form for many years. But I'd say right now, uh, you know, in 2019, 2020, 2021 now, is this massive growth in the use of video as that medium to educate audiences and to create that content from that place of, I genuinely want to help people succeed. And if I do that, that rising tide will float all boats and we as a business will be successful and our community will become our advocates. And, and that's really what it comes down to to me.
0: That, that reminds me of a quote, I can't remember who said it, but I'll um, attribute it to yourself. Thomas Jefferson. Just give it to yourself. <laughs> Chris Christopherson.
2: Um,
0: uh, uh, nobody likes to be sold, but they love to buy. And mm-hmm. you, you don't want to be like tricked into buying, like kind of like, a, oh, I'm, you know, you generated a lead, I guess like I'll buy whatever you have. Um, people want to be a part of something, where, like if they're, if they're gaining value from you, they want to lean into that as much as, as much as they can. And so I think that educational content is right there for them to, to help uh, experience, you know, get like a little taste test of what you have to offer.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's very different in different markets, right? Like if you're a, a B2C company, you know, selling shoes, you know, if you're in a, what would be considered kind of a commodity market, it, it may not be an area where you need to focus a lot on education, um, but there's things you can do for sure. But in in worlds like ours, like again, myself as a marketing leader here at Vidyard, we're a B2B company um, that, you know, we're trying to help marketers and salespeople accomplish certain tasks, but there's a lot of things that we know that that they don't. And And many of us, <clears throat> particularly in B2B businesses, I think we underestimate how little our audience actually knows, or maybe we overestimate how much they do know. And uh, we make a lot of assumptions that, hey, well, we know all this stuff, it's second nature to us, they should as well, and why wouldn't they buy our product, right? Like they'd be silly not to. But the reality is they don't, right? They don't know anything about how you really compare to others. They don't know anything about why it is they might want to use a solution like yours in many cases, right? So often, and and that's where, again, a lot of our own strategy and a lot of our customers that we work with are in that mindset of, okay, how do we not only create content and and video specifically at what we call the top of the funnel to help people sort of learn about very high-level topics that are market-centric, they're not us-centric, but right through into, like, even when they're in a sales cycle, Right? Like our marketing team, we're a full funnel marketing team, and we're always thinking about like at this point in a buying journey, we talk to our sales reps, like what questions do they have? What do they still not seem to understand? And can we create really simple, authentic content that helps them understand that? That clearly makes it very clear and undeniable how we solve this problem or how this works or how this compares or how the pricing works, right? All those kinds of things are stuff that we all need to be thinking about today. Um, and that's that, again, that mindset of truly trying to help people through that entire journey through thoughtful content.
0: As a uh, video centric company, how do you decide when to implement video as a marketing, like tactically speaking, when do you use yeah. video?
2: Yeah, well, um, I, I do wanna be clear up front that we do way more content than just video. Some people will say, oh, you yeah. guys all, that's all you're gonna do is video. And it's actually, um, we do a lot more written content than we do than we do video. Um, that said, we do a lot of video. We do a lot of both uh, for for lots of different reasons because there are lots of different audiences we're serving, lots of different questions we're still answering, and so on. Um, but I think for us, you know, we always take a you know like any good marketing team. I like to think you start with the problem, the the topic, the question, the pain point, whatever it happens to be that you're trying to, to educate people on or teach them about. And you build, you know, you start with the narrative for, you know, okay, what what is what is the narrative around this problem or this question? Right? Like what's the what what are they asking? You know, what's the the lead into it? What's the answer? What's the proof point? There's all these things that go into it. And then of course you think about now how does this best manifest itself through content. And it might be through written form. It might be with supportive video content to help show certain things that may need visual explanation or it may warrant to be done in video format primarily because it's something that requires visuals to be seen or you know, it helps to have somebody clearly explain it in a human voice um, and all those little things that can go into it. Um, so that's a starting point for me is, you know, start with the messaging, start with the idea and then think about how it manifests itself. It's not always as scientific as that, right? Like there are (laughs) cases where we're saying, yeah, you know what we just, like you guys are doing here, right? Like we really believe our audience will get value out of a video series that tackles these kinds of topics and so on. And we think the video format is really going to shine because it gives an opportunity for it to be conversational, for it to be human, um, you know, to meet the people that are explaining it and we'll invest in a video series because again, we believe video is the right format. And then how do, you, how do you make something really shine in video? So it can go both ways, starting with the format or starting with the, the, the content, if you will. Um, but I think what's really important, and this is what I, I, I say to our customers all the time, is if video isn't a part of the common content culture you have, right? Like if you think about it, most businesses, most marketing teams, most content teams, they don't think about video explicitly as a way to deliver a message, right? They come from a background of, well, we do written blogs and we do infographics. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, that's just not the we don't have an in-house producer, this and that. We just, that's not a way we do things. And when we do a video, it's a big thing, right? It's like once a quarter, we'll do a video to support a big campaign. And that's when you run into real problems, when you're not consistently thinking about, okay, we're going to deliver this message, we're gonna run this program. Do you have that checkbox to say, should we create a video as a hero or supporting asset mm-hmm. right? And that's probably what I come back to is we're very disciplined about that, right? We'll always have that checkbox to say, make sure we at least think about it. Should yeah. video be a part of this? And, and often we'll say no, right? It'll be like, no, you know what? This topic just great as the blog post yeah. and rock and roll, it's fine. Um, but being disciplined and explicit about that and explicitly deciding that no video does not need to be a part of this is, is important and i think that's what a lot of people still miss today and it's just not a part of that culture of their content.
0: Yeah that's why i mean for ever since we've written our manifesto we've uh, felt really strongly video is a practice it's not a deliverable. And, yeah. and it's Love so that. like just to have that checkbox there at all times and it's, it's you can d- decide is this the right way to go um, but then if it is a practice you're probably learning stuff as you go along and improving that practice every time you do it. So uh, yeah, having that uh, that resource internally is, is really important. Or I guess yeah. externally, but either yeah, way, either having way. the resource.
2: <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, we saw it happen with social media, we saw it happen with content marketing, right? Where everybody started with, um, you know, okay, I'll entirely outsource it, and it's something that we do a little bit here and there, but it's expensive and I, it's, an, it's an agency that's on retainer and, and so, but, but we, but we start there because it's not yet a core part of our practice. And then, you know, social media, right? Most companies have somebody who manages social media internally now because it's just a part of how you market. It's a part of how you communicate. It's a part of how you engage your audience. Um, content marketing went through the same cycle, right? We, most businesses had a external contract writer or a PR agency or somebody mm. else that was writing content for them. And then at some point we realized oh shit, this is a good idea. Like we should be doing this consistently as a way to engage our audience and it came in house and or we kept that agency on retainer, but we made it something that was now a consistent part of how we do things and not like, hey, once every two weeks, can you give me something? And I think honestly, video is becoming that same thing. And again, whether you have an in-house resource who can create this content rapidly as needed. And if somebody checks the box, you're not like, oh crap, they checked that box to <laughs> do video now. How are we gonna do it, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, that's the problem you're trying to solve because it was the same thing with social and content. It was like, oh great, somebody wants a blog post. Oh crap, how do we get that done? And you're like, no, 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 that's what that person does. That, like, that's their job and they're amazing at it. Um, so I think just having that and it could be in-house and it could be having an agency partner. And, and I think you wanna have both. I think you need somebody internally who can champion your internal video efforts. They may or may not be a professional producer right it might be your social media lead it might be your content person that has basic video chops to be able to do quick things when they need to but also having a trusted partner that you can bring in um, you know for bigger projects more important projects to scale your efforts who have the equipment you might need who can hire actors as needed those sorts of things um, i think is really really important and that's where i see most businesses leaning today is having that mixed mode at the ready and saying this is a core part of our team and we know, based on the type of video we're going to want to do, how we're going to approach it, and who's going to take lead.
0: You've been relatively silent over there. i <laughs> just soaking just, it up. Just, <laughs> just, yeah, I'm
1: learning as much as I can. <laughs> um, I, you know, I was uh, again in uh, this past weekend over the over the New Year's weekend, um, thinking about, you know, kind of passively that that we were going to have this conversation today. Um, I I also just kind of, you know, completely unrelated, um, I started Dan Pink's masterclass. Uh, He has a masterclass on selling and persuasion. And the first three minutes of the first module, he talks about why why selling, and, and I think for this conversation by extension, marketing, has completely changed. It's been one way for all of human civilization until about the last 10 or 15 years because of the internet. And he points out it's this information asymmetry, yeah. where it was always that mm-hmm. the seller had more information about the product or service than the buyer did, right? And and so the seller was always at an advantage. I know exactly what the problems are with this car. And as the buyer, you don't. And so I can withhold that information and we don't have an even playing ground, right? I mean, he goes back to like the first sale of like a goat. Right. But (laughs) but but now with 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 the information that is available to all of us in the last 10 or 15 years, whether it's coming from from you, the seller or someone else who's selling something very similar to what you have, somebody sharing the information. We can find that information now. And that struck such a chord again in the context of this conversation, because. We as marketers and sellers and content creators and, and video producers and everything, we have almost the obligation to be educating and, and going from information asymmetry to information parity. And the better I think we can explain, here's how to solve your pain point. Here's what our product does differently than those other products. Not necessarily better, but differently. And to attract the right kind of customers, I mean, that that to me just you know, kind of a light bulb one off, you know, uh, going into this discussion of, of how, of how much information is out there, and how we really need to control how much we share, and the more transparent we can be, the more problems we can solve, the more we can educate and lift up. Uh, I I think you said something a little bit earlier about kind of, you know, bringing everybody up. And that's something that we've said, as it pertains to video for years, it's like, whether you use us or someone else, if you're going to get into video, that's great because the rising tide lifts all ships. Um, and I, I and it was just interesting. It's just this fundamental change that I don't think we we had the technology yeah. even to to start to share this information before about ten years ago.
2: It's it's super interesting, and I'm going to do a little product placement here. So I just recently launched my first book called The Visual Sale. Oh, he brought there. another sponsor. I <laughs> <at that>, <laughs> So we'll talk about that later, but <laughs> no. my, my, the reason I wanted to mention it now is what you talked about is so near and dear to my heart because that really is the foundation of, of what drove us to sort of take the approach to the, the book that we did. And it's that you're you're not changing the way you market and sell and doing video because you want to sell or market differently, right? You're doing it in response to how things have changed in the world of your buyers, right? and there's a couple things that you talked about that have really big implications. So one is, you know, I absolutely agree that in the last, you know, 30, 20, 10, 5 years, there has been this, you know, massive democratization of information. Um, there's also been a shift in how people, you know, millennials right through to uh, you know, various age brackets of how they now prefer to research and buy because of access to that information as well as access to social communities, all these other things. So there's much more of the word you said, asynchronous buying happening where I'm gonna do this on my own time, right? Like I don't want to book a call with a sales rep or go into a showroom floor and talk to a person to have them sell me on something. I can learn 80%, 90% of what I need to learn on my own. And most people prefer that. Now, some do still say, no, 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 you know what? I just want to talk to somebody and have them teach me and that's fine but the majority of people are going to opt to self-educate and they have access to the information to be able to do that now. So that's interesting. And as marketers, we now have to say, okay, great. And that really drove a lot of the revolution in content marketing. But now you think about one of the impacts of that and you go, well, if everybody is just now learning online by themselves and they're reading articles and whatnot, where's the humanity gone in business, right? Because people Mm. still want to the transparency, the trust, the authenticity, mm-hmm. the genuine, right? Like all these things that have always been a really important part of business. And, and that's where I think video becomes so important because you say, I can, you know, video is one of those content formats that I can use to let people learn and educate online by themselves, self-service. But it is the one format of all that gives me the opportunity to establish a much more personal, emotional, human connection with that audience. I can put my real people out there to explain ideas and actually let them meet them before you've ever talked in a live context, right? Um, I can, you know, create content that makes people laugh, right? That inspires them, that's motivational, all these things that can pull out emotional responses. Things that, you know, back when we were buying goats, that only happened in the in-person communication. Mm -hmm. Right. And, but that was a really important moment when you like saw the goat and you saw the person teaching you about the goat. You're like, I trust this person because they have a goat and they've been doing this for years and I can tell. Right. but when you move to an asynchronous information online world, you go, geez, everybody here can teach me how to buy a goat or whatever I'm trying to do. Um, but this person here, right. I, I, I got lots of stories in the book about like, even things for me where I'm like, when I had to, when I, the first time I had to jumpstart my car, right? I don't know if any of you can remember the first time, like I'm, I live in Canada, <laughs> gets super cold and every once in a while, your car doesn't start because it's just gotten too cold and you gotta jumpstart it. And it's the scariest thing to do the first time when you're like, you know, a young person, it's your first car, you're like, I know something's gonna blow up here. Like mm-hmm. I just, I, there's gonna be fire. There's gonna be, it's like, it's gonna go wrong. And you just don't wanna hook it. And you you read an article and it says, hook the plus to the red. And you're like, I think I got it, but I don't know. And then you watch, you Google it and you watch a video on YouTube of somebody actually doing it. And you're like, that's it, right? Yep. I can see that person do it. And I can see they did not blow up. All right, I'm in, right? And you can follow along, right? Like that's the simplest example. We all talk about the, like replacing a toilet video, these things, mm-hmm. but it, like, it's not just jumpstarting a car, replacing a toilet. It's like, You know, all these things we do in business, we can visually show people, we can teach them, earn their trust. And that's why I think video becomes so important in that asynchronous information world that people just wanna research on their own.
0: Yeah, I just sent a proposal uh, on New Year's Eve actually. Um, And it was to someone I'd only spoken with on a video chat. But, Mm -hmm. um, so I walked through the proposal, did did a video for that and sent to the proposal. And I said, let me know if you have any more questions. Uh, we weren't able to like walk her through it, so this right. is a, a good situation. She's like, "This is fantastic," because um, she, she, she now she needs to bring that uh, that proposal with the other ones that she's considering to her team. And right. when they get to see me talking about things and my personality and, and and everything, they're I mean, how much and and she doesn't have to try and remember how what this thing in the proposal means and this thing. Um, there's just so much more trust being built in that, and nobody else. I mean, all all, their look, all that committee, that buying committee is looking at is a bunch of pieces of paper or a computer screen uh, with words on it, and and I'm the only one who's got a video out there, and they're trying to buy video. So who do you think they're going to buy from? Yeah, I, yeah. Be, I'm going to be in... hopefully us. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: <laughs> You'll but, find out on next week's episode <laughs> right? Did they win yes, the deal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love just, and I absolutely love that, and. You know, I, I uh, you guys are video and business award winners yourselves, so I'm just gonna like we just are. I'll plant that seed for now. I might have questions for you later on. Um, but one of the other winners of this year's video and business awards, uh, a gentleman named Thomas Buchanan, who won the uh, Visual Seller of the Year award as an account executive, he uses video through his whole sales process, not to pitch, but to educate. Right back to the theme of this talk is he creates simple, short videos throughout his entire sales process for each prospect he's working with um, to show them different uh, areas of his product or service. He actually records quick videos telling success stories of other customers like them. Yes, he has off the shelf produced customer stories, but he actually takes the time to hit record and explain their story in that customer's terms and make a short video of that. And then one of the other things, and he does what you you said as well, um, Justin, is that when he gets to deal time, he records a video walking through his proposal and um, asks his champion to share it with any of the other decision makers who may not have had a chance to be a part of the the process yet. And he said something to me that really struck me um, as I was talking to him about his success with this. He said, Tyler, I looked at my Vidyard analytics, and I know over this past year, You know, I closed X number of deals and I met probably a couple hundred people at those X number of accounts. Like let's say it was 20 accounts and I met probably a hundred to 200 total people in those. But I looked at my Vidyard analytics and I had over a thousand unique views Mm. of my videos. So I met say a hundred people, but a thousand people at those companies met me. And Mm. they did that without having to, because they wouldn't have anyway, get on a live call and so on. And so it was a really interesting moment where I was like, damn, that's that's good, right? Like <laughs> a thousand people at these companies met you without ever having to get on a live call. So that was a super interesting way to think about it because yeah, it, it like gets you out there and it helps you build those relationships, whether you can be there or not. And you just couldn't do that with a written email or a PDF document.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's time to take a sponsor break. Yeah. Now, this is usually the point in the episode where we uh, are saddened by losing uh, one of our fake sponsors uh, and have to come up with uh, another new comedic enterprise uh, or exercise of uh, presenting a new sponsor, fake sponsor, for the episode, Um, but I understand that Tyler actually has a completely legitimate (laughs) sponsor that he has brought to the episode, and so... To our regular listeners, don't be thrown by this. Mm, this is, this is a real thing. <laughs> this is new for us. Real sponsor. Tyler, take it away.
2: Well, ladies and gentlemen, today's episode is brought to you by The Visual Sale. How to explode sales, drive marketing, and grow your business in a virtual world. Now, The Visual Sale is the number one book, perhaps the only book, to help you understand how to use video across your sales and marketing teams. And most importantly, how to create a culture of video so that you never get to the point in these years ahead where you say, oh crap, we got to make another video. So grab your copy of the visual sale today available on Amazon and anywhere you buy books. I hope you've got
0: enough in print right now because this is a very popular podcast and, and you know, or at least let let your publisher know in advance.
2: This comes out in a month. I did forget to say, given the timeliness of this episode, that what better way to say, I love you this Valentine's (laughs) Day than the gift of the visual sale. We'll put an affiliate link in the uh, show notes. Yep. Perfect. (laughs)
1: Perfect. 90% commission. Is that what we agreed (laughs) to? Yeah. Um, No, I like Justin, I actually want to tee this up for you because, you know, Tally, you said creating cultures of video, and I mean, that's been, I don't know if it is right now, but for like the last two years, your LinkedIn kind of headline has been creating video cultures and B2B companies.
0: So yeah, I hate to like, every time I open my mouth, I feel like I'm saying another platitude of some sort. Now it's every (laughs) every company company is a media company and you have to be, like whether that's print or video or whatever it is, you have to be putting that out there. But it used to be helping B2B companies build a video culture. And yeah, I think, I mean, it should be, just just like you were saying, Tyler, it should be a box that you can check, and you can decide when and what not to do it. There are times when I skip video altogether, um, but uh, for for the, for our company, we are so inclined to to make everything that's marketing about us a video because we like to be seen as like a video playground when you go to our website. Yeah. Um, but uh, but there are times when we, you, you don't need it, but um, but you should have that that option there and you've got to be able to you got to just start small just start something you know start yep. with just downloading that google extension uh the chrome extension and, yep. and practice it um you know going through the selling certification course um part of that 90 day boot camp is creating 100 videos in your first week i mean you've mm-hmm. gotta you've gotta crank those out and just practice it and yeah you're gonna look stupid but wouldn't you rather look stupid now than in two years when you know you have a kid <laughs> And like more responsibility, and you have a promotion, and you know, um, just just get over that hump. I know it's like a little bit scary, but you've got to you've got to do it.
2: The first video you make will always be your worst, and the last video you make will always be your best. Right? Like it's just it's the way it is, and we get better with everything. I work with a lot of sales teams on that very concept, where they're like, I got all these sales reps, and like they're none of them know how to do this thing, video. And 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 first of all, you're like, well, what's really what's really interesting that's happened over the last even just the last year is with the uh, move to to remote work, is we pretty much all now have cameras, and we're all now getting used to looking into the camera and speaking to people digitally, which even a few years ago wasn't as common as those of us in this ecosystem, right. um, you know, would like to think, right? So. We're, we're getting over that hurdle of like the idea of digital video. And, and so I think now is actually really, it is the perfect time to say like, okay, great. Like, how do we, how do we make the most of this? How do we go all in on this now that we are starting to get people who understand it, who want to be a part of it. And it's the interesting thing now with, with using video from a marketing and a sales perspective is it, it gives us an opportunity to have people across our business participate in it. Um, like written content, wasn't quite the same, right? Like you'd never go to one of your sales reps and say, hey, could you write me an article about this topic, right? I mean, you could, but it'd probably be the worst idea you'd had that week. Um, <laughs> unless you have you know, really amazing salespeople, no offense. Um, but that's not, their, that's not their thing. But going to somebody on your sales team and saying, hey, I'd love to do a quick video uh, of you answering these two or three questions that customers most typically ask you. I just want to hear how you would answer it. Um, And we'll do a couple of takes on it and, you know, maybe we'll include you in this next great video where we're doing just that. We're answering some of the main questions. And some sales reps will be like, ah, that's not for me. And others will be like, rock and roll. Let's do this. Let's give it a shot. And um, like little things like that where now you can start to get people in your company involved in it. You get executives, um, you know, much like you guys are doing. You have people that become external evangelists who are doing shows. They're doing social content. Um, It can really actually be a unifying thing for a lot of people in their business. They don't necessarily think about it that way. But when you, um, again, start to involve people across the company in this idea, uh, big things can happen. And it could even be for internal video communications, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you're a bigger company and you've got executives giving updates to your, or even team leads who are trying to update um, their, their groups, you know, are you still just sending out big, long emails or PowerPoints or getting everybody on a live call, even though they don't want to be? Or... Are you creating a video? Maybe you're just recording it with a Chrome extension. Maybe you're setting up shop and you're doing a really nice production, right? But those sorts of things, I think, are just now becoming more and more a part of, of how we need to do business. And that to me is when it starts to feel like it's part of the culture, mm-hmm. right? It's not just a marketing and PR thing. It's it's really a part of the way we communicate as a business, both internally and externally.
1: Yeah, I, I love what you said about you know, going to a salesperson and saying, hey, can I get a quick video from you about you know the top two or three questions? I completely validate that because in some of the springboards, which is our strategic product, at some of the springboards we've done, we've, we've either surveyed or talked to salespeople. And that's, that's the question that is top of the list for us. in in those conversations is, is either what do you wish your prospects knew before you talk Mm -hmm. to them or what questions are you getting the most? And the answers to those two questions are so enlightening. And, and they're so often very different from what the marketing people yeah, have told us. yeah right? Yes, right. <laughs> and, and so it's it's the people who actually have a qualified lead in front of them and they're trying to shepherd them to the close. Maybe we need to put a little bit more weight on 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 what they're telling <clears throat> us that that they need to provide for people. and those the, the answers
0: to those questions are just so surprising and enlightening every yeah. time we do it. Almost it's, every time we do that, we're like, Damn it! I wish that was on video. <laughs> like we, we yeah. should have been, we should have been filming this because that, like the way that they just that rolls off their tongue is so natural, and it yeah. like. But then when you sometimes when you put a camera in front of somebody who's not used to it, uh, they start to choke up a little bit. But uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Way. Our um, our our sponsor once again, folks. The Visual Sale uh, <clears throat> has uh, we we talk about that in the the chapters on video and sales, and we call it the the eighty percent video which is you know, creating videos that answer those same uh, questions that come up from prospects on 80% of the first calls that they have with your reps. And you know, it could be two or three questions, it could be four or five or six, but uh, I, I totally agree. And, and the advice we give as well is, yeah, don't just assume as a marketing team what those are uh, because you have a very distorted view of reality as marketers, and I can say that as a proud marketer. Uh, you know, Talk to your sales team and, and ask them that very, just like the way you guys did. And then you can create short videos that clearly and hopefully visually answer those questions. And then you use it as part of what people would refer to as an assignment selling process, where you're assigning to your prospect homework during the sales cycle Mm. so that they can self-learn and become more prepared to the next meeting. So what a lot of successful sellers will do is they'll say, hey, I know we've got our first discovery call coming up so make sure we use the most of that 30 or 60 minutes because that time is precious. Um, please watch this video ahead of time, where I or we mm-hmm. collectively answer, you know, the, the the five questions that I most commonly get that you probably have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so watch this, and when you come to the meeting, then we don't have to spend 15 minutes on those questions. We can dive right into the things that we need to talk about. Yeah, and those kinds of assets get used like crazy by sales teams. They love it.
1: I feel like that is almost word for word what I was suggesting with the whole share your work thing yesterday. Yesterday,
0: yeah. When we were, we were talking about
1: it. about it. It's like, <clears throat> we've got limited time together. Because, and, and you know, we, as a creative agency, you just hate to get on, like, that first big call and, and the first thing somebody says is, so can I see some of your work?
0: Right. It's it's yes. like. <laughs> uh, www. <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. But to what you're saying about like being assumptive, like I think we've always been kind of assumptive that like, if somebody has gotten to the point where they're willing to talk to us, they've done a little bit of research. And so we assume that because everybody asks, and I see your work, they've gone. And we are very transparent with our work. Our video library on our site is everything we've ever made that we are allowed to show. Right. And And, you know, for the first several years, we did it as like just featured stuff. So it was the best of. But we just get so many questions about like, well, have you done something like this? Have you done so that it's just all there. And so we were just talking about yesterday morning, kind of, you know, heading that off at the pass and before one of those meetings, or when you get that first inbound contact, say, now, I want to focus our time on how I can best help you. I don't want to, you know, spend that time going through and showing your work. So I recommend either before or after we talk, go ahead and check out this, this, and this, and then here's the whole library if there's something yeah. you want to say. And yeah, I mean, that was yeah.
2: 25 hours ago we were having that exact <laughs> conversation <laughs> without That's having read the book. <clears throat> there you go. There you go. But the rest of you still need to read the book because there's way more stuff than oh, just absolutely. that. Oh, absolutely. But... To your uh, to your point there's like you can you can just do that via an email right like you can just send them an email saying hey guys da, 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 da here's some links to our work please go and watch you know at least three of these videos before our call so that we don't have to deal with that in, in the live session um but doing it as like you know you, you you create that video that one video that you can use every time um again part of that benefit becomes now that is something that they can share with other people they they see you on camera talking about it and they've met you before that meeting even starts right Mm -hmm. because a bunch of those people on the call will never have met you and again you're spending the first five minutes of the call doing intros where if everybody's already watched that quick video they've gotten some degree you know they're like oh cool that's ben i get it ben looks Mm -hmm. like a great guy i this seems like somebody i could work with rock and roll right all those little touch points where it's like is a little bit more work to make a video than just write it as an email? Maybe, maybe not, right? If it's something you're gonna reuse over and over again, it might not actually be any more work. Mm -hmm. Um, But even if it is, those little touch points where every one of those is a chance to put your face out there, to build rapport with your audience, I often think about that. I'm like, you know, I'd rather them watch a quick video of me explaining this than reading it in text for those very benefits, right? Just that it's more FaceTime that they get with me. It it builds my personal brand and credibility Mm -hmm. with them, right? That's why often on my own social profile for my own brand building, right? We all get this. Like if you're just posting text-based posts all the time, it doesn't like, people don't get to know you. But if you're consistent in saying, here's what I would have written, but I want to do it in a quick video, right? Some people will be like, "Ah, you're vain, you didn't even say that video. But 90% of them are like, this is great. I like actually kind of get to know you. I see your face and it becomes that sort of continuous thing. And, and I think again, as as marketers and sellers, we just, we underestimate all those times where a quick video could explain a message, could educate somebody and have those added benefits of creating that connection, putting the faces out there and making business feel real again. Just like The Bachelor or Bachelorette, you gotta get those one-on-one dates if you really wanna get anywhere,
0: right? You gotta have that face time. I mean, it's yep. a lot like courting uh, yep. uh, a lady friend or what have you. <laughs> just, yep. I mean, you're, you're not you're not gonna get
2: in like like car it. if you don't take them out on a date. Yeah. <laughs> <You know. laughs> but even better with a recorded video is you can you can redo that first impression multiple <laughs> yeah, times until it's you true. get it just right. It's you true. Get all the sweat off and yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't make the first impression the live call. The live meeting, right? Make the first impression that one that you created yeah, you're yeah. good with. I can send it over. It's a great that's point, my Insta version.
1: But I, you <laughs> know, but that's so true because uh, you know the way that our our sales process works is Justin's the one who, who's out there having like the qualifying conversations, the initial needs assessments, right? And then he brings me in to you know really start to talk about okay, w- what are the problems you've got? What can we solve? Those kinds of things, and. Um, Justin started recently recording all of those initial conversations that he was having with prospects and the ones that then turned into meetings that I was going to be on, I would then watch those videos. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I tell you, and I think part of this is because I'm a textbook introvert, but I feel so much less pressure and so much more opportunity going into that first live call with a prospect because I've already watched them interact with Justin. And I get to see them as a person as opposed to like this, you know, suit, who's this, who knows everything about everything. And you're just trying to impress when you see that we're all just people, right? It just takes so much of that and it becomes person to person conversation as opposed to, you know, a pitch or a discovery call or whatever to this potentially big prospect. It's it's. I mean, it works internally, it works externally, it works yeah. both ways. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a yeah. whole 360 degree approach that that I think yeah. this, this benefits. Well, yeah,
2: because the inverse of that is true, that your customers, when they see that video of you before they've ever met you explaining something, they're like, oh, cool, this is just like a regular guy. It doesn't seem like somebody who's trying to sell me. This is great, right? Yeah. And that's where that like authenticity in your content becomes so important. It's. Uh, but I love it. It's, it's it's such a great point. I'd
0: like to get back to goats for a little while. Sure.
1: Me too. <laughs> <laughs> we got you know what? We'll send you. We have a we have a great video that we did a oh, couple God. years ago that has a live goat in it. Um it pooped everywhere. It did poop everywhere, but fortunately, goat poop is relatively dry poop, so mm-hmm. it was it was more of a sweep up kind of thing than a mop up starter. kind of thing.
2: That's actually one of the things on our internal checklist for when we insource versus outsource a video is the amount of poop expected. We will always outsource if there's a certain threshold.
1: Yeah. Level level one video marketing is, is there a checkbox of whether this could be a video or not? Level four video marketing is how how much, much, how much dung will this video produce?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys, folks like yourselves, who save us (laughs) from having to do the dung work ourselves. Yes. Thank you.
1: Um, I want to, in the the 20 minutes or so that we have left, I I do want to talk a little bit about, and I think we're all supposed to be using flywheel now instead of funnel. But um, what I don't like about the flywheel is that it doesn't have a beginning and I guess that that's part of the point, but like so much of this educational, all
0: right, I'm not going to go into that.
2: There's but, an on-ramp. There's an on-ramp to the uh, flywheel, so
0: they don't show. See, that I haven't seen that yet. If
2: I could see that, I'd, I'd buy into the flywheel. It's probably better. in the visual sale. Well, it's on page seventy-five <laughs> of the visual sale. You'll have to buy it to see it yourself. There we go, um,
1: at Amazon and wherever books are sold. Um, but but if we talk if we talk about the flywheel or the funnel, I, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on at different stages yeah. to the purchase. Do you treat educational content differently? From a from a messaging standpoint, from an from a production value standpoint, from, from whatever variables there may be. Is the stuff that's right before the close very similar to the stuff that's before somebody even knows that they even have a problem or whatever? What do you think?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I I've been thinking a lot about this because I used to be of the mindset that you know, the higher up in the funnel or the earlier on in the flywheel, um, the more, I'd say, polished, produced kind of promotional it tends to be. Whereas at the bottom of the funnel, as you move down, your content can end up being sort of longer and less produced, if you yep. will. Um, but I've, I've I've come to terms with being wrong every now and again. And I think <laughs> my, my approach to that has been wrong because... I, I, I don't know that it's the stage of the funnel that matters so much anymore. It's, um, you know, it's more about the message, uh, the expectation of the audience, what they're trying to get out of it, um, the channels that that message is going to be going out on. Um, th- there is certainly the stage of the the, the the buying journey, but what the stage is actually is really a proxy for the kinds of information that they're going to be looking for, right? So I feel like all throughout the flywheel slash funnel, there is an opportunity to use everything from ad hoc recorded videos done on my phone that are anywhere from 30 seconds to eight minutes long, to you know right through to the bottom of the funnel, same thing. But it's the same thing for you know beautifully produced emotional content that you know is uh, is going to have broad reach or maybe you know lower reach, but you know, it, it has another need where you're telling an amazing customer story, right? And you're just like, I need to tap into that, kind of the, that real story, that real emotion. I need to, you know, the narrative is so important here that I'm, I'm gonna put the effort in to make a great production out of this. And, and the results of that can be used all through the funnel as well. So it's a long way of saying, I don't know, Ben, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to it. Um, the only thing, I'm pretty passionate about is that true social media video content should be short, but <laughs> <True>. <laughs> otherwise I think um, we, we, we overthink the stage of the funnel, the length of the content and whatnot. I think we just always need to put ourselves in the shoes of our audience and go, what is gonna have the biggest impact for them? And you know how can I make that happen through a piece of video content? And also how can I respect their time? That's part of truly being empathetic to your audience. How can mm-hmm. I respect their time the most and make sure I'm not asking them to watch a 30 minute customer story that they probably only needed three to four minutes of that to get the story they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Right? But I don't uh, know, what do you guys think?
1: So I, I I come from the same place you're coming from. I, I, I have kind of always operated with the idea that the top of the funnel stuff is beautiful, well-produced, bigger budget. And I think part of that too is because the thinking was that the, the higher up in the funnel you were, the more people you were talking to. So sure. you were going to make you know a thousand first impressions instead of a one-on-one video of a demo of a little part of of this piece of software or whatever. Um, and 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 I don't know that it's I don't know that that's wrong. I just think the the scrappier, more specific one-off stuff has kind of moved up further in the yep. funnel. So I, yep. I still think if I were going to put together a roadmap for a client, I'd still kind of take that top-down approach from how wide the audience is and what the production value is. But, yep. yes, I, I think there is that kind of, like, bottom-up of those, those more specific things. And even like you were talking about yeah. before, having a salesperson, you know, put together a, a success story, you know, from one of their other clients to share with one person I mean, we do this with, with a lot of Justin's or, or have done with some of our kind of pre-produced sales videos, like our team introductions that Justin yeah. sends when he's when he's got to that point talking to a prospect. Um, each of our core members on the team kind of have this like introduction video. And we were doing these as one offs, realizing we were kind of saying the same thing all the time. They were all go video produced and we just put them in our yeah. folder and Justin would put them in a playlist. But then we, it just immediately occurred to us that we're like, all right, well, let's spend five minutes thinking about what we're saying about ourselves, not put anyone else's name at the beginning. Hey Tyler, I'm Ben, great to meet you, whatever. And just, hey, I'm Ben, looking forward to meeting you, heard a lot of good things from Justin. And all of a sudden yeah. that's something that we had to make once, it was still very scrappy, but it is something that you use over and over mm-hmm. again. And I, th- I think that, that bottom up, but I do come from the same place. And, and I guess I'll have to figure out how to deal with being wrong also. I don't know how well, that's gonna Well, let's
2: self-reflect go. here. Like, let's look in the mirror, guys, because this piece of content we're creating right now, I consider to be pretty top of funnel, Claude. Yeah. we're you know, we're trying to share ideas for a broad audience. Um, at the same time, we're probably only gonna get eight people to watch it, right? It's not I'm just kidding, but uh, <laughs> no, you know, it's you, not, we're not necessarily going for massive <laughs> reach, yeah. but we're going for deep value for that niche part of the market, but it is still top of funnel. Um, it's not beautiful with the exception of Justin, right? Um, this is... Uh,
1: <laughs> He's not wrong.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I think like we're back to this, like, yeah, top of funnel. I use short form, scrappy content I make on my phone. I do long form interview style content. I do highly produced um, promotional content for different things. I've got a series of video series that we do that again is more of an ongoing, um, you know, again, more produced, more expensive uh, set of content. I think it all flies these days. And I think you've got to experiment with different styles and formats. And the most important thing is yeah, to not be held back because you think something has to be done one way or another, right? Like it's, there's a big reset going on folks. Like we can redefine how this stuff is happening. And I think everybody expects video in so many different forms now, like everything from TikTok, right? There's like, there's the Netflix, and then there's the TikToks and there's, mm-hmm. you know, insta, there's all these different forms. People are just now, Th- this is now a thing. So it's like everything from conversational one-to-one to like, it's all over the place. You gotta experiment and try different things for your audience is, is where I'm at right
0: now. Yeah, yeah, if you look at the buying process, you start um, on this side and you say you buy over here, it's, there's, a, there's like a spectrum of like marketing and sales. And like marketing is like, a it's kind of like theoretical sales. You kind of think people want, need to know this or hear this, Um, and, and sales and marketing can happen in all different spots on that, on that spectrum. But as a sale, like, so as marketing, yeah, theoretically, what do these types of people want to hear or need to hear? Um, but then as a salesperson, you have to be ready to jump in at any point and be, do that one-to-one and, and you you don't get to tell them, whoa, 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 back up a little bit. You you haven't answered this or that, or you like, you have to come where, meet them where they are. And so Um, I think that's you know, that's the job is of marketing and sales is to kind of work in tandem in that in that regard and try and help each other out as much as possible.
2: Yeah, but and I think we're we're back to this like fundamental idea that our jobs as marketers and sellers is to answer the damn questions that <laughs> your audience is going to have or that they yeah. have, right? And it's as simple as that. I mean, it sounds but not but it's like it, it is genuinely that simple. And if you can be disciplined enough to go like, let's write it all out right from start of the buying journey to the end of the buying journey let's keep asking people we're going to keep adding things to here our products are going to change our competitors are going to change our price things are going to keep changing so the questions and the way we answer them are going to keep fluctuating but if we just focus on that simple idea and we can create content we can arm our we create content as marketers for one to many to address those ideas right like right here that's what we're doing we're answering questions about how do I shift my mindset from promotional video to educational video, right? That is a question our audiences have that we're answering here. Um, and, and I think it just it goes right through that buying cycle. But to your point, and we've talked about this a few times, is you have to, it's it's a never ending process because you've got to go back to your sales team and go, okay, what's happening these days? They're yeah. like, yeah, it's great. Like I no longer get this question because they always watch this video, yeah. but now this is the thing, or now this new mm-hmm. competitor came up, or like now this other thing happened mm-hmm. and like, okay, great. like. That's our next quarter content plan, right, and like that's the world we're living in, yep, it's a practice, yep, I feel
0: like that's a good period for the uh the episode there, yeah, the punctuate it <laughs> all right, well,
1: um yeah, I think that is a great period to put on the discussion. uh I would be remiss if I didn't ask Tyler to uh tell us about uh the book again
2: <laughs> well, thank you ben uh and uh I mean, just I think for all of you out there. Uh, if you are struggling to think through where and how does video fit into our sales and marketing programs, what kinds of videos should we be creating, what have other people done that have been successful, um, those are the big things that I talk about in the visual sale with lots of real world examples uh, from real businesses that are that are shining and lots of great checklists and things like that. So again, if you think it can help, uh, please feel free to check it out on Amazon and others, the visual sale, and uh, hopefully you'll walk away with at least three or four new ideas for how you can use video next year.
1: Well, speaking of the visual sale, let us see it one more time.
2: <clears throat> oh, one more time. And it actually has a very nice glossy finish. I mean, if you don't Ooh, end up reading yeah. the whole thing, at the very least, you've got a very nice uh, uh, tabletop piece here for you. Yeah.
1: That that play button makes me just want to push I it. I know.
2: It's so <laughs> funny. It like that happens all the time. You post pictures. People post pictures of this on social yeah. media <laughs> every yeah. time without fail. Without fail, somebody comments, I kept trying to push that play button. <laughs> Boom, the power of video right there. We just can't help but want to push that play button, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, um, if you're just now joining us, <laughs> how would you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But if you're just now joining us, we have had a fantastic conversation with Tyler Lissard, VP of Marketing for Vidyard. Um, fantastic conversation about uh, educational content and just being open and transparent and sharing and all the different ways that we can share information to our prospects, our customers, our clients, things like that. Um, uh, really enjoyed the conversation. I, I think, uh, honestly, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like with Tom, I feel like I could do this, you know, two hours every day with you and we could just talk shop. And, um, uh, but I, I learned things today and um but i think you also validated some of the things that i that i could hear somebody else say it (laughs) yeah we believe strongly (laughs) in and then by the end i was questioning myself as to whether we believe those things because you guys did a blog post on it five years ago (laughs) um and and so of course we believe the same things but uh really enjoyed the conversation thank you so much for joining us today
0: thank you guys um i did want to point out i wasn't going to do it on air but I think that's an ad it's adjective, not adverb.
1: I Googled it. It's an really? adverb.